0: welcome to the words of witness podcast i'm your host pastor derek thomas and i pray that the podcast today blesses you and inspires you to live a life that's worthy of the king of kings and lord of lords that we serve enjoy today's podcast god bless
1: Last week, we left last week uh, with a question
0: uh,
1: about anger. You know, how how do we, you know, effectively uh, deal with anger? You know, what are some methods that, that uh, we found that work well to overcome anger and to be healthy? We had an assignment to kind of look at Genesis chapter 4 and just kind of look at different things that we might have found in there that, we could share that would be beneficial to others and um there's our opportunity to share so we can we can help one another be better because we talked about it last week you know whether it's work whether it's uh relationships whether it's people whether it's our kids whether it's a church whatever it is somebody somewhere is going to make us angry they are you know and and the key is not so much The key is not, how can I put it? Yes, the key is to do as the word says, be be slow to wrath, be swift to hear, be slow to speak. Yes, absolutely. We have to take that from a realistic standpoint that there are going to be things in life that are going to make us angry. There are gonna be people that make us angry. There are gonna be situations that make us angry, They, they are. So I'm not necessarily saying yes, I'm saying, strive to not be angry as much as possible, but I'm really saying, let's strive to do as the word says, be angry and sin not. So this is really an exercise for us to learn how, in the times that we find ourselves angry, we can still glorify God in the midst of it. So um I don't know if you had an opportunity to take a look and 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 um, you know have any ideas or any, any things that work for you, but if so, please, please feel free to share. Um, sometimes you just gotta walk away from the situation, Mm -hmm. calm down one thing, come back to it. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Um, what does that do for you when you do that? That, that's a great, that's a great thing to do. Just go easy and get calm, pray, and then go back to the situation. I like that. I like that. I I really like the fact that you got pray in the equation because what that says to me is um, in the time that you've taken away from it, you've allowed yourself to calm down and to hear from God, you know, to hear to hear His Spirit prompting you to go pray, and that's big, because because sometimes we as men can get on a hundred and we can stay there and we can we can just not forget, you know. You've heard the saying, "Forgive but don't forget." We can just not forget. And that's what the enemy banks on. Just keep playing that record over and over again to keep us angry, and to keep us angry, and to keep us agitated. You know, that that that's a really, that's a really really good one. That's a real good one. It's a real real good one. Any any anything else? Um. Uh-huh. I didn't understand it, but people who sometimes like uh, break their stuff. They get mad. Okay. Okay. Like I don't know, I understand that, but I guess that works for some people. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that does. That does. That does work for some people. Why Why do you think that is? Why do you think that works for them? okay that's fair that's fair that's very fair that's very fair really these two are two of the three that i that i came up with um you know put in different ways and i think the lord can share some insight on both of these for us i think he can share some insight on both of these for us i believe he's going to Um, and i thank you for that these are both very very good it sounds like and there's no right or wrong answer um it sounds like you're more inclined to do the first one walk away dynamic and come back later than you are the, the breaking stuff i call the breaking stuff controlled expression you know you're breaking stuff break this will make me feel better you know um mm-hmm. that never worked for me either It's like okay this ain't making me feel better because if i break it and i need it i gotta buy it again how's that making me feel better it's gonna make me madder because i gotta buy it again you know but uh, yeah, I know you're right. Some people do that. Um, the Lord gave me uh, three three ways uh, that we deal with anger in a godly way, and He gave me scriptures for each of them. And then looking at the scriptures for each each of them, because as we speak, I literally have you know, two Bibles wide open across my desk here. I'm finding as I look at both of them that the passage that we are looking at in Genesis 4. Um, it looks like each of these dynamics are active in the chapter and we can look at them and begin to see the consequences of them. So the first way that um I saw in this and uh, how to deal with anger God's way is to restrain it. To restrain anger. Uh, and what I'm sharing now I'll I'll be sending it out also to everybody um, so that they have it. Uh, restraining uh, anger. And the scripture that is attached to it is Proverbs 29 and 11. And what it says there is, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Now, what that what scripture is saying, what that scripture is not saying, really, is, is not saying that wise people bury their anger. That's not what it's saying. And it's not saying that a wise person doesn't deal with it. That's not what it's saying. But what it is saying is that a wise man controls their anger and, and how they express it. And what happens is when we restrain our anger, what it does is we keep it within a a, a limit where we're still controlling it. And it's not controlling us. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. well, and when I look at that, I think about the, the, the passage of scripture that I just said, you know, be angry and sin not. And the example i remember using it from last week and each time i talk about this the lord keeps bringing it back to me jesus when he was in the temple after he came into town and he went in there and saw the money changers in the out of court doing all the stuff that they had no business doing and it says that jesus got paraphrased and it says that jesus got angry and he you know put blade of whip together and started smacking at the air and snapping towards people and flipping over tables and saying You know, my house is called a house of prayer, but you've made it into a den of thieves, and and Jesus was angry. But his anger was not an anger that was self-serving. The anger that he had was what's called a righteous anger or righteous indignation, meaning the anger that he felt was an anger that he was channeling from his relationship with God because what he saw was just so out of touch with what God wanted, that his anger was for a moment, but it was restrained because even in anger, we still have to represent God. And even in times when people make us mad, I mean, five alarm fire, eyes turning red, if we was a Hulk, we'd be turning green and busting out our clothes mad. We still have to find a way to tap into God's peace that passes all understanding and this is where as we begin to look at the characteristics that God demonstrated here in dealing with Cain and showing how the grace that he dealt to Cain was a byproduct of the grace that he gave to Adam and Eve. It begins to help us see how we're supposed to act and what I'm referring to is If we go into Genesis chapter 4 and look at, um, if we go into chapter 4 and begin to look at um, verses 10 through 12, it says here, uh, and I'm reading from, uh, I'm not sure what verse I'm reading from, New King James, what it says here, it says, and he said, beginning with verse 10, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground, so now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain, going on to verse 13, and Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. 14, surely you've driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. This is where restraint comes in, and this is God's example, verse 15. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Here's what I mean. Because Cain was mad with, God. Cain didn't show any restraint, and since he couldn't lash out directly at God, he lashed out at what he viewed as a representation of God in the form of his brother. Cain, when he was angry at God, didn't show any restraint, and as a result, he fell into sin. God, on the other hand, when he showed anger towards Cain, Cain verbalized, the reality of what was to come after God pronounced judgment. God could have went further and just destroyed him right then and there, but even though he pronounced judgment that God knew would mean death, God still showed restraint. He still used wisdom. And the reason why he showed restraint and still used wisdom is that even in the midst of the greater story, there was a role for Cain. Because if you look later on in the chapter, after God showed restraint by putting that mark on him, we don't know what the mark looked like. We don't know what kind of mark it is. As I'm talking to you, I'm looking to see if I can get clarity on that. I don't see anything here concerning what the mark is or what the mark was. Uh, It it says it wasn't disclosed, but it was some sort of identifiable sign that he was under divine protection, which was mercifully given to Cain. And that's something, that's really something because when we, in the midst of our anger, show restraint towards the one that made us angry, what we're doing is we're showing (laughs) God's character because we're showing them mercy. And it's something when you show somebody mercy because if you're the one that's on the losing side of that situation and you show him mercy, even, for, even if it's for a split second, it gives you a glimpse, if you're the victim in the situation, it gives you a glimpse of what God's mercy is like. Because God will be dead in the right to destroy each and every one of us. Because the word says that we're all born in sin and we're all shaped in iniquity. And if we if we popping off and, and, and doing stuff we ain't got no business doing, or saying stuff we got no business saying, God is well within his right at any point in time to strike us down, at any point in time. But in the midst of his anger, he shows restraint and allows us to have mercy, his mercy, to rest over our lives, and it's a blessing. And for us as men, I feel that it's a life lesson for us that if we want to be like we talked about last week, and I wrote it on a Post-it, and I kept the Post-it stuck on my Rolodex all week to remind me, because my job is one where if I'm not angry at least three times a day, it's not a normal work day, because I work with uh, youth in care. That's what I do. I work with youth in care. I work with uh, teenage youth in care in Inglewood. That's what I do. So a day don't go by that somebody's not doing something that makes me mad. But the key thing I have to remember is that as a man of God, and I wrote it down last week when we were talking about it, as a man of God, I'm a representative of God. I'm an ambassador of God. I'm a reflection of God. Would God in a situation where he could nail a person to the wall, would he really nail them to the wall? No, because He didn't, he's not nailed me to the wall. The stuff that i know i've done so if i'm a reflection of god and i'm a representative of him i have to function as he functions so restraint is a big part of dealing with anger god's way um what do you think about that how do you feel about that does that make sense
0: yeah okay okay
1: have there been times in 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 your life in any area and again i'm not asking for specifics it's none of my business specifics. But have there ever been times where, and I think the answer is yes, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, times in your life where, when you've been angry at someone, something, some place, in the midst of your rage, you found some way to to to, to demonstrate restraint? Has that ever happened to you? Oh. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. I I I don't know if, if if I I won't speak to you, but I know for me. So many times when I do it, I'm like, where is that coming from? Cause I want to tell these people something. I want to, you know, but something inside of me just won't let me do it. And yeah. I find out that when I, when I calm down, it's God's like, he took that still a small voice. That was me. I'm the one that wouldn't let you do it. I wouldn't let you do it because you represent me. And one thing, I, I don't remember who told me this. I don't remember who told me this. But whoever it is that told me this, I pray the Lord brings it back to my remembrance because I don't want to give any inaccurate information. Whoever told me this, they gave me a life lesson for real. Whenever I get angry and I want to just nail somebody to the wall for whatever it is that they did, whomever told me this, I remember what they said. You can't get them like God can. I know that you're upset. I know that you're angry. But remember what the word says, be angry and sin not because you can't get them like God can. You can't. In the process of you trying to get them, you fool around and send yourself to hell. You can't get them like God can. And that's not to imply that God is vindictive. That's not to, to to imply that God is out to get whoever it is. But what that's saying is because God understands and knows all sides of the situation, he may see an aspect of why that person or that place or that thing is acting or presenting in such a way so that it's made us angry. It might be somebody that says something harsh to you. Um and I I don't know if you saw this news story on the news recently, but uh there was a news story on I think it was yesterday or the day before, I don't know what here it was. Uh the guy that worked for uh out of Connecticut, the guy that worked for Merrill Lynch or whatever company he worked for that uh, that um went to the uh, smoothie place and threw the smoothie at the at the uh the clerk there and stuff and just went on like a, a tirade and um all that stuff I don't know if you saw that story or not um yeah okay I was mad about that because it 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 was it was I guess there was a whole bunch of stuff that didn't play on TV that was said. I guess it was racially charged and motivated and stuff, and ultimately he wound up losing his job, and I was like, that's good. He should have lost his job. Nah, nah, that wasn't right, you know, this, that, and the other. And Lord had to check me on that. He's like, uh-uh, who are you to judge and pass judgment on this man without knowing the whole story? And in that, in that moment, I was like, well, God, what do you mean not knowing the whole story? I'm not arguing with you, God, but I'm saying, I, is there something that I'm missing? Because I'm looking at the video. I'm seeing that this man was in there yelling. I'm hearing this man ask who's in charge. I, I I see the people walking away, and I see him cock back and throw the drink and hit. I'm assuming that was the manager with it. I see this. And, yeah, I think that was the right outcome, Lord. I I, I do. My intent is not to argue with it, but I do. What I found out later, in looking at the story, the background of the story, is the man reacted that way because the order that he placed for the smoothie that he ordered, he asked for it with no peanut butter in it. They put peanut butter in it. That's significant because the smoothie that he bought, that smoothie wasn't for himself. That smoothie was for his son, who has a peanut allergy. So when his son drank the smoothie and the peanut butter was in it, unbeknownst to the man who told him to put peanut butter in it, it made his son sick, and his son was in the hospital because of the peanut allergy. And his son was – his son, I don't think, died. They didn't have a condition on the son from the standpoint of death or life. I'm assuming the son didn't die. But they were saying that the son had gotten sick from the smoothie and was having a, a pretty severe allergic reaction from it. So the fact that that happened, that triggered him as a father to do what both of us would do as fathers and protect our children. Again, I'm not condoning what he did because that's why we're having this study here. In that instant, what he should have done, if he just felt compelled to come back, and I would have went back too, you restrain your anger. Because Proverbs says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. He could have came back in, I need to speak to the manager, ma'am, sir. I'm very upset. Here's why I'm upset. I'm upset because and explain what happened. And 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 because if that's done, that would have brought about a whole different turnout in the situation. He would have still had his job. I thought about it and looking at it that way, I had to repent like, Lord, I'm sorry. I did pass judgment on that man. I'm sorry. Then I started thinking, well, God, what is he going to do? Because, I mean, he's not working. And, again, I, I, I don't condone what he did, and I can understand why he had to leave his job because he was a financial counselor. I mean, he had to sit down with people and function in a level-headed fashion when people are panicking about their money. And he had to deal with people of all ethnic persuasions and, I guess, Within the confines of the rant, I believe they said he had used some racial epithets and stuff like that. That's gonna be awkward because the actions that you took speak volumes long after you've moved on past them. And that's really what God is saying to us why restraint is so important because it shows wisdom. Because, like here in the scripture, you know, the Lord showed restraint. And that's significant because if if we go on and go right past verse 15 in the first 16, It says here, continuing, that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. So he had to leave the city. He had to leave. Verse 17, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. Now, even though God was angry with Cain, and even though Cain's anger caused him to be on the outs with God, and this is significant, God still... Showed restraint and made provision for Cain to still go forth and be able to partake of God's original plan. God said from the outset that He wanted Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, I meaning I want more of y'all. I want more of y'all because I love you. But God didn't see this happening. And after this happened by right, God could have destroyed Cain and everything associated with him. But because he showed restraint, not only did he allow Cain to live and not allow anybody to take him out, but he allowed Cain to still stay to a degree in his spiritual position because in old testament uh in the Old Testament culture, and this really came about more so after the covenant that God made with Israel, the firstborn son is automatically. A gift to God. The firstborn son is automatically viewed from a from a Jewish culture perspective as a priest. That's the one that's promised and and promised and given to God and chosen of God. So Cain was the firstborn son, which means Cain. I noticed that um, yeah, uh-huh. all the firstborns were mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Mhm. Well. I don't know what, what. I was saying. You're right you're right well that's when we we start looking at um the lineage in Israel and the reason why is that each time we see something like that we go to like the higher higher altitude view this is all ultimately this is all because of what happened in the garden because when the plan was shared by God in Genesis 315 that ultimately Christ would come. You know, you'll bruise his head, he'll crush your heel. Uh, or you bruise his heel, rather, he'll crush your head, excuse me. That's foreshadowing that down through the generations of man, through the lineage, um, there's a lineage coming where ultimately one's going to come to destroy and undo what it is, Satan, that you did. And in Jewish culture, everything is, male-centric and male-driven predominantly from the lineage, just the household of whomever, you know. Um, Even today, if we look at how it works in marriage, I mean, when we get married, we don't take our wives' last name. Our wives take our last name, you know, and that, Mm -hmm. by design because God created us, going back to the example that we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago. God created us to be the covering, created us to be the protector, created us to be the head of the household, not as a dictator, but as the one to cover our wives, as the weaker vessel. Not saying that she's not strong, but saying that she is dependent on man because she was made out of man. That's why she's called woman. Man named her woman. Doesn't mean that she's any weaker than we are. Just means that her gifts and skill set are, are different than ours, and they're designed to complement ours, so that when we work together, it makes a complete picture of God. But even with that being the case, God could have threw Cain away because he he vo- he voided all that. But it says that Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. So no, no, not only did not only did um, not only did he allow Cain to live. By showing restraint, but he allowed Cain to still partake in a form of the original promise of being fruitful and multiplying. No, you're not dressing and keeping the garden because you lost that right when you when you when you sinned. It was lost when your parents sinned, but then it was doubly lost when you sinned. So you had to leave Eden. It's like your parents maybe moved from the garden over to. East Eden to the east side. So you ain't downtown no more. Y'all moved little on the east side. So now you came, you messed up. You can't even stay on the east side. You got to leave Eden altogether. That's why it says he moved to a land east of Eden. So he wasn't even in Eden anymore. But God still showed enough restraint to let him partake still of being fruitful and multiplying. And he did. He had sons and he had daughters. So I say that to say this, that as we show restraint, what it does is it still, it affords mercy to the individual to whom we're showing anger at, and it doesn't put them in a situation where they're utterly destroyed, but it still leaves them so that they can still partake of God's desire, which is for them to be fruitful and multiply, because that's the same thing he desires for us. We don't have the right to take that away by being angry to the point we're trying to destroy somebody, because if we did that, we'd be doing the opposite of the God that we serve and that we say we're representative of. So what that does, that leads us to having to do the second thing, you know, in, in dealing with anger God's way, and that's reevaluate, and that speaks directly to what you said about walking away from the situation and coming back to it later. James, James says it this way in the first chapter, verses 19 and 20. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that god desires god's way of dealing with anger is to be slow to it and there are things that we can do to to get to that point let it roll off our shoulders don't internalize it you know going back to what i said before about reevaluating the situation when you, when you reevaluate a person's words or reevaluate a person's actions, you, you find that there's really no need to get angry. You know out, the person didn't deep down intend to hurt you. You know, they might have just been acting out of their own bias. It might have been acting out of a situation kind of like the guy that I just talked about with the smoothie. Again, I do not condone what he did. It was wrong. I don't feel bad for the outcome. It was right. I'm just saying and looking at the why behind it, we can understand it. We're both fathers. We can understand it. If somebody gave me something because they didn't listen and it made my my son sick or made your son or your daughter sick and it put him in the hospital, I feel some type of way. And I'm I'm venturing to guess you would too. But to your point, but, but to your point Instead of jumping out and, 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 and saying, I'm about to deal with this, instead of me calling you, say, man, Corey, look, we need to roll out. We got to deal with the situation. Walk away from it for a minute. Let me just take a step back. Let me count to 10. Let me breathe. Let me listen to your point, excellent point, too. Let me pray about it. God, before I take this anyplace else, before I take this any further, let me bring it to you. Because I'm feeling some type of way about this, and I need some help here because I don't want to disrespect you, and I don't want to be a poor reflection of you, because whether we believe it or not, people, once we say we follow Christ, people are always watching us. Some are watching us to to, to wait and to say something we mess up, but other people are watching us to see how we handle tough times because... They're going through, too, and they're looking for a way, and they're trying to make a decision. So when we reevaluate, and God has us go back and reevaluate, prayer is a big part of it. Prayer is a big part of it because prayer is us asking God, God, help me. One of the prayers I use, God, help me see me as you see me in this situation. Help me see me as you see me. And I pray that prayer, and my pastor taught me that when I first got saved. Because that was part of a big piece of my growth process because it's human nature for us to look at our position as right. Many times the reason why we get angry in relationships, the reason why as husbands we get angry with our wives or as fathers we get angry with our kids is because in part because what we feel was wrong. But the reason why we feel is wrong many times is because we feel that our our view of it, our biases that we have in the situation are right. And nobody's right all the time. And when we make our minds up that we're not going to listen to the other side, when we make our minds up that we're not going to see it from another vantage point, what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up to perpetuate the anger. So what my pastor told me is before you just take a stand and you decide to die on it, you pray and ask God to show you you as he sees you. So you're not looking at, your wife or you're not looking at your kids or you're not looking at your brother, or your sister you got to art with from your vantage point. Ask God to pull you spiritually out of you and to bring you up to where he is, just his his the angle, up to where he is and let him see you. Ask him to allow you to see you with all the stuff that he knows and see if you're still right. And the first time I did that and the first time God did that Man, look, it, it messed my whole understanding up. It messed my whole understanding up because what it helped me see is that what my grandmother said to me one time was true, and I didn't real I didn't realize how true it was. She said to me one time, I have a, I had a bad habit of pointing at people when they have done something, when I'm fussing at them. You need to stop doing this, and you need to stop doing that. And mid rant, she said to me one time. You need to stop doing that because one thing you need you need to stop doing that because every time you point pointing the finger blaming somebody you got four fingers pointing back at you. And I didn't get what she was saying. But then when I looked at my hand one day I noticed the finger the index finger that was pointing the other person, the middle finger, ring finger, pinky finger and thumb are all pointing back at me. When I got saved and started studying the word, the word says examine yourself daily. When I started really reevaluating and really looking at the situation and looking at the person I'm angry with and started asking why, I started incorporating that prayer. Lord, show me me in this situation. Show me me as you see me, because right now I'm upset. I'm upset, but God, I don't want to be a bad representation of you. I don't want to be a bad reflection of you. So God, whatever's in me that's not of you, once you show me myself as you see me, please remove it. Please remove it. And whatever anger is left after that, I have no choice but to believe that that's the righteous anger that Christ, like Christ had. And I have a right to say something then. But if I get all my stuff out of the way and all my bias out of the way and all my personal stuff out of the way, I'm not saying something to a person because I'm butthurt. I ain't saying something to a person because they stepped on my toes. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying something because I see myself in the situation. And in seeing myself in the situation, when I speak to them, I can share with them in a way, look, I do understand your point of view, and I can see how it makes sense, but let me share with you why I feel the way I do and why I feel the way I feel. And in disagreements between spouses, and I know that I'm sure that you 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 already use this with, with your wife, and I I've had to learn how to use it um with mine, you know, and I say that because in, in in being married before, I've had to learn and God's had to teach me. One of the worst things that you can do when you're in conflict with somebody is 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 use always and never. And all and because in always and never uh those are absolutes, that implies that if you're one of them. That the other person's the other. You know, you always saying such and such. So the other person says so. You imply that you never do it. You know that's fueling the fire. The other thing, remember, is you know whenever it's times of conflict, don't make don't make it about you. But make your response about you. And and here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Using this as an example. Honey, you always leave dishes in the sink, and that makes me upset because whatever the reason is. That's not the way you handle it. Honey, I feel that honey, I, I feel like I'm not being listened to, and I feel frustrated when you leave dishes in the sink. I feel that way because we've talked about it, yada yada, 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 yada. And I remember in this conversation, I said this and you said that, bringing it to a point where it can be explained and what that can do, is that in times like that, that keeps you in a mindset of being open. And as long as we're open, as long as we're open, God can still get in. And if God can still get in and speak to us in times when we're not pleased, he can keep us from shutting, shutting the door from hearing him and allowing the anger to raise the flesh to rise up. Because anger is an emotion and is driven by the flesh, not being comfortable, we're not being heard, we're not being seen, our needs are not being met. So as a result, I'm going to lash out and attack you in the area where I'm being attacked, and that's not of God. Reevaluation is another way of showing mercy, and I go back to the Genesis passage. You know, Cain did it here. After at back going back again to verse 13. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you've driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it'll happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. In that moment, you know, Cain realized, man, I messed up. I messed up bad, God. And I messed up so much so that I, I'm I, there's no future for me there's no hope for me death is pretty much my only outlet when we take that when we take that approach you know what that begins to do is that begins to make the atmosphere right for God's mercy to step in and and God can use anybody that he chooses to use in any way that he chooses to use them that's not to say that salvation is not needed because it is because the word makes it clear that there's only Uh, One mediator between God and man, that's the man, Christ Jesus, and there's only one way that a person can be saved, and that's through confessing with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing in their heart that God has raised Him from the dead. All that being said, because that's all very, very true, God could use anybody to bring a word in an instant to help his children realize something. And because we have to understand that, we have to be in a constant state of remaining open. To hearing God and being in a constant state of reevaluating the situation, because in reevaluating the situation, it can kind of pull us away from being angry. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, any 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 thoughts on any of that? Um. like being judged by the jury. Yes. uh... That's it. That's it. The nation got it right when they said that it needs to be not just a jury, the way it's actually read, and you're right, it's a jury of your peers. And the founding fathers did that for a reason because where they left, it was a monarchy. I'm the king. I'm the queen. If I don't like you, what I say goes. But here in America, everybody's got a fair shot, innocent until proven guilty, because there's going to be a whole bunch of people just like you that have the same feelings you have, that have the same struggles that you have, that have the same everything. They're going to make the decision, which means you get a much fairer shot because these are people that understand where you are, and that's the beauty. That's the beauty of God, because. That's how he can move, and that's how he can work in us. And that's why he wants to keep us in a constant state of reevaluation, a constant state of being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Because many times, what the person that we're about to get upset with has said, they've not done it with the intent of purposely offending you. Sometimes, absolutely. And that's where righteous anger happens. But most of the time, no. Again, the, the person that threw this drink, he said some things I'm sure were probably deep-seated in his own bias, but I don't, I don't feel that his whole reason for coming back there was just to say that. I feel that his whole reason for coming back there after knowing the whole story is because he was upset, he was pissed off because his son was in the hospital sick, possibly fighting for his life. They didn't say how serious it was. Again, does not condone what he did. It just gives us different insight. It gives us different insight. That may make it easier for us to do the last thing that the Lord showed me, and that's release it. We have to release anger. That's what God does. And that goes back to him dealing with us. We we come to him, we mess up, we come to him, we pray and ask for forgiveness. What if God said to us, I'm not gonna forgive you this time? Because do you realize you've done this five times in the past week? you did this last Saturday, you did this last Monday, you did this yesterday, and you did it again today, and, 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 and that, that's four times, and now, I'm sorry, you did it Monday, you did it Tuesday, that's four times, and now today is number five. I'm not going to forgive you because you show me you have no desire to do anything different. I'm so glad God is not like that. But Colossians 3 and 8 says it this way. It says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. So when you deal with with, with anger, guys, where you feel it, you vent it in a safe way, you know, and you get it off you. That's this controlled expression. That's what this is. You know, the example that I had in looking at this is like maybe complaining to an innocent third party. Complaining, talking to somebody that ain't got nothing to do with it, that, that don't don't have a, a bias towards you or towards the other person, just a neutral third party that you're comfortable enough if the whoever the Lord might lead you to, to talk about it journaling journaling is another way that's a controlled expression you can write your stuff in a journal you can be as graphic as you choose to be in that journal because as you do that it's all for you that's the way because have my degree in psychology I know because I'm working towards you know getting becoming a psychologist and, and counseling people you know that's one of the things that they say to people that are depressed that, that, and they say that to people that have been abused write your feelings down be as graphic as possible you know, I'm not saying curse yourself or anybody out, but I'm saying be as graphic as possible. Write what you need to write down. You know, write it down. If there's, if there's, if this, it's something, this is used a lot with, with individuals that have suffered sexual abuse. If these memories are coming back to you and they're making you feel some type of way, write down in graphic detail what happened, what was put where, what happened, what was said as the memories come to you because that journal is a dumping ground and what, A lot of therapists say is that once you've done that, they may tell them, do that for a week, and do that for 30 days, or do that for three months, or do that until the journal is full. And once the journal is full, I want you to bring it. And when it's brought, you know, we're going to put, and the therapists don't tell the person what they're going to do, bring it. So when the person brings it, they put it in a big container, and they tell the person, I set it on fire, burn it up, because if burn it up, there's not a trace of it left. So it's symbolic of the fact that it's out and it's gone. It can't come back and harm you anymore. It can't come back and affect you anymore. So the controlled expression, the breaking of things, that's transferring that energy off of you because that negative energy is what causes us to be angry. And it's okay to feel anger, but God desires us to feel anger and express it in a way that gives him glory and still gets his point across. But being angry puts us in a position where we've internalized all that negative energy and we need to release it. And what happened is, as we keep on going through it, you know, all that energy was ultimately released because when that energy is ultimately released, it puts you in a place where you can try again and it gives you something called wisdom. And just looking at uh, chapter five as we, uh, I'm sorry, not chapter five, excuse me, looking at the very end of chapter four, um, verses 25 and 26. Once Cain had reevaluated and gotten to the point where God showed restraint and allowed him to still partake of being fruitful and multiplying, He gave Adam and Eve another chance. Verse 25 says, uh, verse 25 says, uh, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed to me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. So even though all that happened, On the other side of anger is opportunity for us to be fruitful and multiply and to be a witness because it's in those times of being on the other side of anger and dealing with it constructively that God can take those pieces and he can use them to build. And that's what he did. He gave Adam and Eve another chance. Look, I'm going to give you another son to replace Abel. We're going to try this again. I would venture to guess they made sure they raised Seth. In the uh, in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and Seth got it right, and he had a son named Enosh, and as they continued to multiply and be fruitful, I'm sure that that um, Adam and Eve told their story, and I'm you know, and in telling their story, they began to talk about the goodness of God. They began to be the first living witnesses of how good God is, and they all in that household began to praise and worship the Lord, and even Cain, his own way, though he never really had from what I've seen direct dealings with, um, you know, with his family. You know, it's it's interesting because if you go back and begin to look at the family of Adam in, in chapter five, and you know, I would encourage you to do that, you start seeing these just crazy ages on these people, you know. Uh, Adam. Um, you know, Adam lives to be 800 years old, you know, or I'm sorry, he lived to be 930 before he died, you know. Um, Seth lived to be 912, you know what I mean? You start looking at these numbers and it's it's something, you know, it's something. It's really, really something. So I say that to say this, and I'm done. that that God desires us to learn how to deal with anger in a godly manner because as we deal with anger in a godly manner, we're we're sowing into our families. We're sowing into our marriages and our relationships. We're sowing into our communities. We're sowing into our church. We're sowing into the audience that sees our lives. And we want to sow good seed. We don't want to sow bad seed because in sowing that good seed. That's how we see multiplication and that's how we see God continue to move and continue to grow that makes sense yeah. is there anything-
0: living witness ministries is a church on the move that's dedicated to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ through the preached and taught word community outreach and practical ministry designed to save souls and change lives. You can sow into the ministry via our cash app at dollar sign LW Ministries 2020. That's dollar sign LW Ministries 2020. Sow your seed in the good ground of Living Witness Ministries today. And thank you for helping us reach the world with the life giving word. I pray that you were blessed by today's word. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. If you've never taken the opportunity to do either one of those things, won't you join me now in prayer? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you a sinner. I believe that you sent your son to die That I might live I believe that he lived Died Rose again Ascended to heaven And is coming back For sinners just like me I confess my sin I ask you into my heart And I ask you into my life Thank you Lord That by faith I am now saved In Jesus name Amen if you prayed that prayer, I'd like to welcome you into the household of faith and into a loving relationship of salvation with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please email me and let me know of your experience or if you have any prayer requests or praise reports, please email me. The email address is living to witness at gmail dot com. That's living the number two witness at gmail.com. Until next time. This is Pastor Derek Thomas encouraging you to live your life as a living witness.